It's Wednesday, November the 10th in the year of our Lord, 2021, and you are listening to Law and Gospel. And I just want to say that this is probably one of the most important Law and Gospel broadcasts that you will ever hear. In fact, I would encourage you, when you have the opportunity, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 3, 19 to 28, that you would make a copy of that and put it in your wallet, your purse, or carry it with you. Why? Because if you ever get into a conversation with someone as what is unique about Lutheran theology, you can hardly find a better verse than Romans chapter 3, 19 to 28. Why? Because the foundation of Lutheran theology is the distinctions between law and gospel. And I have to say, many, many people don't know what that means. They think, well, the law is the Ten Commandments, and you better obey them, or else you won't get to heaven. That's often the understanding of law. In fact, it's the understanding of law in every other religion outside of Christianity. But Christianity has quite a different understanding of law. And that's what Romans three nineteen to 28 is all about. So let's get going. Verse 19. Now, we know that whatever the law says... It speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. That's a wonderful summary of the purpose of the law. First of all, it speaks to those who are under the law. Now, that phraseology appears a few times in the New Testament. What does it mean to be under the law? And we've talked about this before, where a child feels like they are under the orders of their parents. Their parents may not speak to them very nicely at times. They may even hit them. They may say bad words to them. They can hardly wait to get out of the house. And they often leave, go to college, and they feel satisfied because they don't like to be under the law. Under the law, spiritually speaking, means under the curse of the law. In the day that you sin, you shall surely die. That was the promise God made to Adam and Eve. And that death was an eternal death. It wasn't just a physical death, although that did occur. But at the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, Remember, they went to hide from God, as though there's anywhere you can go to hide from God. That's impossible. So, every mouth that boasts about being able to follow the law and merit salvation is stopped. A good example at the time of Jesus were some of the Pharisees. They thought they were a lot better than the tax collectors because what did they do? Well, 
they fasted, they tithed. So they were obeying the law. And therefore they thought, well, heaven is my home. And that's why they didn't need Jesus as a savior. The Sunday school lesson that we gave yesterday on issues, etc., talked about that Jesus is the reason for every season in the sense that you first need to hear why you need a savior. And that's a proclamation of the law. And then Jesus comes through and becomes the answer. So at any rate, if you think you can get saved by your obedience, meriting salvation, this verse shows very clearly that no, your mouth is going to be shut and the whole world is held accountable to God. Now, what does it mean to be held accountable? It means that he's going to take your sins and give you what you deserve, namely eternal damnation. So what Paul is doing in Romans 3, 19, is he's really helping you to understand the real purpose of the law. It isn't to get you to merit your salvation. Verse 20, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes what? Obedience to be saved? No. Through the law comes knowledge of sin. What does that mean? Well, no human being will be justified in the sight of God. The Bible makes very clear that the only people who go to heaven are those who are justified, those who are righteous in the sight of God. And nobody can become righteous by obedience to the law because many times we are not obedient to the law. We may outwardly be obedient to the law. Like, for example, we may do external items like giving money for the poor or helping them to build houses or just helping out people who are in need. But if you are not a Christian, your motivation is always self-centered. And that's why there's nobody who can obey the law so perfectly that they get saved. The law, its purpose is to help you to know sin. It's kind of like going to a doctor. You don't feel very good. And he's going to tell you what's wrong with you. Now, maybe medicine will help you. Maybe surgery will help you. But the fact of the matter is, his diagnosis is not good news. And it is not by hearing the diagnosis where you are comforted. You're comforted instead by hearing, well, here's what we can do for you. Take this medicine. Similarly, in the church, people are not comforted by hearing the law. 
you may run into someone who doesn't think they're that big a sinner. So start talking about that the law is broken, not only when you do something wrong, but when you think wrong or when you say wrong. So you may not have committed an actual murder against someone, but you certainly may have had bad thoughts or even said bad words about someone. So that's a breaking of the fifth commandment according to the Sermon on the Mount. So the law does not bring righteousness because we're poor sinners. Even when we have faith in Jesus Christ, we sin daily. And our liturgy makes it very clear there is nothing you can do in order to pay off your sins. So how do you become righteous in the sight of God? That's verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested. That means it's been revealed apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Now, there you have a word that is used twice, the word law, with different meanings. The first law, that the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, which means apart from any of your obedience to the law, you still don't get righteous. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the second word for law refers to the five books of the Bible of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Yes, Moses was the lawgiver. And in Exodus, the people say, we will obey the law in all that you say. And then they make a golden calf. So there it's very clear that nobody gets saved by the law. But it says the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Bear witness to what? They bear witness, and verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. That phraseology is a wonderful summary of what the Reformation under Martin Luther was all about. You do not become righteous by obeying the law. You become righteous in God's sight by believing the gospel about Jesus Christ. And what is that gospel? The gospel is not just the historical events of his birth, sufferings, death, resurrection, and ascension. No, the gospel are the promises connected to those items. He, he really was born incarnate as a human being. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified. He died. He rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven. What the gospel is, is that he did those things for you. So believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross, which of course the Pharisees knew because they were there, doesn't save anybody. 
but believing that he died for me, that my sins were forgiven by his death. That's saving faith. And God declares you to be righteous in his sight when you have that saving faith. It's impossible to have that righteousness by your obedience. For verse 22 ends, there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means that God's glory is one of perfection, one of perfect righteousness. And all of us fall short of that. Even the best of believing Christians still have an old Adam that weakens them as they sin by thought, word, and deed. So if we all fall short of God's glory, works can't save us, then how are we justified? Verse 24, we are justified by his grace as a gift. Wow, that's a huge difference. The two words I like thinking about that show the distinction between law and gospel is if you're living under the law, you try and merit your salvation by doing good works. If you're living under the gospel, you know that you have no necessity to do good works to be saved. You are saved instead by inheriting the gift. Now, are good works necessary? They necessarily are a result of your having been saved because now you have the proper motivation. And a lot of times you're unaware of your faith in Jesus Christ that moves you to do an action. But God can read your heart better than you can. And so you are justified by his grace as a gift. What's grace? Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. Because we are all sinners, we don't deserve the forgiveness of sins. But through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, we receive the gift of faith from the Holy Spirit and therefore the redemption of our sins. Jesus is our Redeemer. He paid a price to bring us out of slavery. And that price was his death on the cross. And that's what verse 25 talks about. Talking about Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Now, when's the last time you were in a conversation and you used the word propitiation? Well, not very often. But what does that mean? It's the idea that someone else takes your punishment that should have been yours. In A Tale of Two Cities, there's a man who really loves a woman, but she loves a different man who's in prison. So the man who loves a woman, he 
gets into prison, switches with the man that she loves. He gets executed, whereas the man she loves is freed. And that's showing great love. That's what Jesus did for you. He became your propitiation. He became your substitute and received the punishment that should have been yours. And through faith in that, through trust in that promise, you received the righteousness of God. The next phrase in verse 25, talking about Jesus at the cross, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. That means he patiently waited until you came to faith in Jesus Christ. And then your former sins were passed over. Does that ring a bell? Passover? Of course. Israel was told that they could now leave Egypt. But the day before, they were to put blood of a lamb over their doorways, and they were told the angel of death would pass over their house. Well, those who had faith in that promise from Moses did put blood over their doorways. The angel of death passed over, and they then left Egypt. So that's what God does for you. Because of the death of Jesus Christ, he passes over your sins. And therefore, he is the one who, yes, you are accountable to God, but he no longer considers your sins as needed to be accountable. You are no longer accountable in regard to your sins because he looks at your faith and that's what saves you. So, verse 26 goes on. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. There's two kinds of justice. The one is a karma type of justice. You get what you deserve. And that's what the government does. You rob a bank, then you go to jail. You get what you deserve. And that's what God can do to every unbeliever. But for believers, you don't get what you deserve. So how is God just? Well, he was able to forgive you because someone else took your punishment and therefore Jesus is your Savior, the one who died on the cross so that you will never really die. For at the very moment that you die here on earth, your spirit is with Jesus in heaven, awaiting your body on the day of Judgment Day. So this is where Martin Luther was really confused. He hated God early when he became a priest, because he was under the impression that the righteousness of God was perfect obedience and that he 
had to emulate it. He had to do it, and he couldn't. He realized he was too much of a sinner. So he hated God for saying that he had to be righteous like God. Then he read Romans three nineteen to 28, and the lights went on, where he saw, yes, you need God's righteousness, but you don't get it by obedience. You get it through faith in believing the promises of the gospel. So God is just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Verse 27, Romans 3. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. In other words, you have your boasting excluded not because you are doing so many good deeds and good works. No, what is the reason? But by the law of faith. The principle of faith means that through faith in Jesus Christ and faith alone, you are declared to be righteous in God's sight. That righteousness is yours while you're still a sinner. So every Christian is 100% sinner and 100% righteous. The righteousness comes about because God declares them to be righteous. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you are. A lot of times you get declared to be something simply because someone says so. And that's important. People will declare you to be their friend. You don't know why they want to be your friend, but they're your friend because they declared it to be so. Even though they know that at times you're a sinner, but they still want to be around you. They enjoy you. So it's by the law of faith, the principle of faith, that you receive the righteousness of God. The last verse, 28, needs to be memorized. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. It's not that works of the law don't occur. It's, it's kind of like, and I like this analogy, how does a little child become a child of the parents? Is it because the child does good works, like take out the garbage, wash the dishes, clean the room, wash the car, and then the parents declare, yes, now you are our child? No, that's ridiculous. No child becomes a child of parents because of their works. They become a child of their parents because they are either begotten, that means born of mom and dad, or adopted, declared by mom and dad to be their child. That's how it works in Christianity. You are not justified by works of the law. You're justified by faith. 
and that's not something you do. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit because it is God announcing to you that you are his child. There's only one begotten Son of God, and that is none other than Jesus Christ. But every Christian is a adopted Son of God. And why the word son and not son and daughter? Because the inheritance in Jesus' day would go to the sons, and therefore women are now considered sons of God. So what you have in Romans chapter 3, 19 to 28, is a wonderful explanation of what we are talking about that we're saved by grace, through faith, on account of Jesus Christ. And we do not boast of our works because no work can save us. They occur after we are totally saved. Tomorrow's Law and Gospel with Wes Reimnitz will be interesting. God bless you. Weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.